Well, this morning, we are concluding our series on what we believe. And um, it's part six. <laughs> um, that's pretty good to get the, I don't know how many doctrines we have, 17, 18. There was a quiz on that at one point in my life, and I totally forgot that. So anyhow, the, the fundamental truths of, of the scriptures. And uh, today we're going to look at, well, we'll tell you as we go through. How about that? So this morning we begin by the sanctifying power of the Holy Spirit, sanctification. So we'll work at that. Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 25. Now I'm reading from the uh, Phillips translation, so it'll be a little different than what you see up there. But um, I, I'll, I'll look at it and we'll, we'll begin. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. And this is Paul writing to the church at Galatia. Here is my advice. Live your whole life in the Spirit, and you will not satisfy the desires of your lower nature. Now, perhaps we know it as the King James Version. This I say, then walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Okay? So that's what that is saying. For the whole energy of the lower nature is set against the Spirit. So our lower nature is the lust of our flesh and and that, so we are, that, that war is against the Holy Spirit. While the power of the Spirit is contrary to the lower nature, and here is the conflict that what is, that, and that is why you are not free to do what you want to. But if you follow the leading of the Spirit, you can stand clear of the law, that which tells you all the things that are wrong, but, don't, but does not give you the power to keep the law. So that's what it's meaning by the law. The activities of the lower nature, here's a list, sexual immorality, impurity of mind, sensuality, worship of false gods, witchcraft, hatred, quarreling, jealousy, bad temper, rivalry, factions, party spirit, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like that. I solemnly assure you, as I did before, that those who indulge in such things will never inherit the kingdom of God. The Spirit, however, produces human life. The fruits of the Spirit, such as love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, generosity, fidelity, which is faithfulness to a cause or to the person of Christ, tolerance, self-control, and no laws exist against any of these. Those who belong to Christ have crucified their old nature with all of its love and lust. If our lives are centered on the Spirit, let us be guided by the Spirit. So as we are working or walking through this, we, we know that it all begins with our relationship with Jesus Christ. Without our relationship with Christ, there is no understanding of spiritual truths. If you aren't born again, we spoke about this with Nicodemus, John chapter, John chapter 3. You know, Nicodemus comes to Christ and Jesus says, you must be born again. So we can go back to one of our previous series and, and talk about that, about forgiveness and salvation. So born again is being born, born from above, born of God, and that's where we confess our sins. If we, is faith, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, from all those immoralities and things that are there. So this forgiveness that God has given to us is called regeneration. So in the um, world today, I think we have engines that are regeneration, you know, the exhaust and stuff. It's not what it is. 
That's not what we're talking about. Regeneration is the imparting of the divine life, which is seen in a radical change in the moral character of a person from the love of sin to the love of God, a life of righteousness. Now we say, okay, what's all that? Well, remember, what is the sin? Sexual immorality, impurity of mind, sensuality, worship of God. So a worship of gods, false gods. So the change of the regeneration is there is love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, fidelity, self-control, tolerance. So those are the things. So the regeneration that takes place in our life is done by the Holy Spirit whenever we confess our, uh, confess our sins to Jesus. So the new life with this personal union with Jesus Christ is one that begins with our confession. When Christ forgives us of our sin, you know, if we walk in the Spirit, you will not, show, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So we find this conflict that goes on in our natures, but we have to, we have to grab hold of and understand how that the Spirit is at work in us and through this regeneration, we are a new person. Old things pass away, behold, all things become new. So as we review this new birth, review, we spoke about this, born again, born from, born from above, born of the Spirit. These terms then actually talk about regeneration, a, a renewal that goes on. But in this renewal, in this regeneration, God saves us from our sin and it can be stated as God saves us by the washing of regeneration. <coughs> Excuse me. Titus 3.5, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saves us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. So washing of regeneration. It's washing you know, washing, we say that right? Washing, washing, washing. It all depends on what part of the state you're from. Yeah, so, yeah, you're washing. And so the washing and regeneration of the word and of the spirit is that God cleanses us from our sin. So it's called regeneration. Now, another translation of that verse states it this way. But when the kindness of God, our Savior, and his love towards man appeared, he saved us. Not by virtue of anything, that, of any moral achievement that we've done, but by the cleansing power of the new birth. Cleansing power of the new birth. And the moral renewal of the Holy Spirit, which he gave us so generously through Jesus Christ our Savior. Regeneration. So Titus is explaining here in these verses that the soul was completely bathed. The blood of Jesus Christ washes us from sin, washes away our sin. God doesn't just um, erase the sins. He just gives us a whole new page. <laughs> it's a whole new page. It's blank. We start all over again. The old has passed away. Behold, all things become new. We are saved. We are washed. We are regenerated. So these words kind of all go together. So it's important with this in place, this forgiveness, this regeneration, that we begin, to, uh, we begin to walk of separation, okay? Whenever we have been saved, forgiven, 
God's blood, the blood of Christ has washed us, our sins. We are washed in the blood of the Lamb, regeneration. And so there is this cleansing take place. And so what is happening now is that we, we, we walk with the Holy Spirit and the separation that we have from the old way of life to the new way of life is called sanctification. <laughs> sanctification is basically being set apart. Set apart for a specific use. Now, to sanctify, it's the same word as to make holy or consecrate. So the sanctuary, okay, it is set apart for a use, a divine use, church, for us to worship. But so is your body, the temple of the Holy Spirit, you're the sanctuary of God. It is set apart for God's service. And, he, and we are washed and cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. And our relationship with Jesus Christ is one that we are separated from sin, which meaning that we are a sanctuary or that we are sanctified, <laughs> sanctification. So we are separated to become holy and uh, a place where God dwells. Therefore, holiness represents that God is separated. God's holiness, God is separated from sin, okay? To God, he, there's no sin in God. And there is no um, ulterior motive. There's no wrong motive in God. He doesn't want to do things to teach us a lesson, you know. His, his, his um, presence and his preeminence is always love and grace and mercy. But, and we find that that all takes place until we die, <laughs> until a person dies, and they have committed the unpardonable sin. They have lived their life in total rejection of God until the day they died, and they died in their sin, and that is their, they are unpardoned. So we can say that sanctification includes both a separation from sin and a closeness to God. You know, some people brag about their, their separation from sin. We, we dress this way, we look this way, we talk this way, we do all this. We're separated from sin. Okay, that's good. No problem there. But how close are you to God? So the what we say and the way we dress are important, but we also have to be close to God. And I'm not saying that people who are dressed a certain way aren't close to God. I'm just saying that no matter how people, some people can be so sanctonious, sanctimonious, that they're no earthly good, you know. They're so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. So we want to find that what we are in the washing, regeneration, Walking close to God is called sanctification. We are set apart. So this structure is set apart for service to God. So too is our life. So when does this sanctification, this being set apart for God, take place? Well, it begins whenever we confess our sins. So you see, there's a number of things that take place in our life that whenever we confess our sin and Christ and occupies our life, the Holy Spirit, we become the indwelling presence of God. The, you become the temple of God. You are washed from your sins. You are regenerated. You're made a new person. 
and the old things is, is in Adam. When Adam, uh, God breathed into Adam the breath of life, it was, he became a living soul. The spirit was alive in Adam. So when we accept Christ, we are a living spirit, a life-giving spirit that is eternal with God. And so there is the cleansing, the regeneration, the sanctification set apart. Now, we believe in a progressive sanctification. We mean, it means that we continue to grow, and this is in our Sunday school lesson this morning, we grow in our knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We grow closer to God. Now, some people believe in an immediate sanctification, that you confess your sins, you're immediately sanctified. Oh, well, that's okay. I'm not going to disagree. You know, hey, you know, if you're close to God and you're doing all the right things, that's what counts. <laughs> so we're close to God. Uh, and so we want that to take place. So if we look at what the, the scriptures that we just read, I'm going to do them again in Galatians chapter 5. And here it is. We'll do it this way. Here is my advice. Live your whole life in the spirit and you will not satisfy the desires of the flesh or of your lower nature. For the whole energy of our lower nature is set against the Holy Spirit. What is, the Holy, what is against the Holy Spirit? Sexual immorality, impurity of mind, sensuality, worship of false gods, witchcraft, hatred, quarreling, jealousy, bad temper, rivalries, factions, party spirit, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like that. While the whole power of the spirit is contrary to the lower nature, here is the conflict. And that is why you are not free to do what you want to do. Because our nature would take us in the wrong direction. There has to be rules. <laughs> and that's what people don't like today. We have no rules. You know, anything goes. Well, you can't do that. He says that there, um, here is the conflict, and that is why you are not free to do what you want to do. But if you are following the leading of the Spirit, this is what will happen. The life of fruits, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, generosity, tolerance, self-control. We find that that becomes now the regeneration, the law, the admonition of the Spirit as set apart from God, that becomes the character of who we are. See, we don't do the things that we used to do or what those who have no God or have no higher power, no accountability. You can't go and do what you want to do because the people who have no accountability, we see what happens to them. So God is directing us to have this forgiveness, regeneration, this cleansing, washing of the word, washing by the spirit, sanctification, set apart for a purpose, and we are continually growing in that relationship. That's what we believe. Next, we believe in the blessed hope, which is the second coming of Christ, also known as the rapture. Now, the hope that we say here, now we misinterpret that word, hope often is the, the word we use is, uh, I hope it doesn't rain. You know, I hope it doesn't get too cold. I hope that the, you know, the weatherman is right, you know, <laughs> fat chance. Uh, but anyhow, <laughs> we have hope. Well, the scripture, the hope that we have in Christ, that it is a definite point in time in our future 
when Jesus will return. So the hope that we have in Christ, we just haven't arrived at that point in time. Like in the Old Testament, the prophets hoped for a Messiah. And so they anticipated the birth of Christ. So the birth of Christ was a hope in their future. And when that, the appointed time came, Jesus was born. Well, now we have the hope of his return, and it is a time in our future in which Jesus will return. So when Jesus returns for all of the believers, living and dead, <laughs> we find that this second coming of Jesus Christ is mentioned more than 300 times in the New Testament. 300 times. In Paul's letters, he, miss, he mentions it more than 50 times. And the second coming of Christ is mentioned more than eight times more, eight times more than his first coming, which was birth in Bethlehem. So the second coming is mentioned even eight times more than that. So there are whole books in the Bible. First and second Thessalonians are dedicated to the coming of Christ. Matthew 24 and uh, Mark chapter 13 are those chapters that are dedicated. So the second coming of Christ, the rapture, is without a doubt one of the most important doctrines of the New Testament. Do we believe in the resurrection of the dead? Do we believe that Jesus Christ will return? Well, yes, the answer is. <laughs> we believe that Jesus will return and that he w is risen from the dead, and we're going to talk about that. John 14, verses 1, 2, and 3. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, you may be also. Jesus said that. I'm going to prepare a place for you. All right. His second coming is literal. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with, us, with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Amen. <laughs> he's coming back. And that he's coming back with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise. It is a literal coming. It is a visual coming. Hebrews 9.28 So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. And unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. He's coming back. His return will be glorious. And this is Second uh, Thessalonians. And this is from the, the uh, Philip's translation. In verses, chapter 1, verse 7 through 10. This judgment, will, this judgment will issue eventually into the final climax of all events to Christ's personal coming from heaven with the angels and with his power. All of this is going to come to a close. <laughs> with his angels and with his power, he will bring full 
justice in dazzling flames unto those who have refused to know God or to obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Their punishment will be eternal exclusion, eternal separation from the radiance of the face of the Lord. Wow. And the glorious majesty of his power. But to those whom he has made holy, his coming will mean splendor unimaginable. It will be a breathtaking wonder to all who believe, including you. For you have believed the message that we have given you. <laughs> so there is this understanding that Jesus is coming back. We're going to see it. It's going to be a literal. It is going to be glorious. Now, there are some who believe that um, when a person dies, that's the second coming of Christ. Okay? You die, you go to heaven, that's, that's how it is. Well, it's not true. The truth that is set forth in the scripture is the opposite of death. For the dead in Christ shall rise when Christ returns. At death we go to him. At the coming he comes for us. <laughs> At death we go to him, but when he returns, he comes for us. He comes to unite the body and the soul together. And that the, the, the graves will be empty. <laughs> 1 Corinthians 15. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? So Jesus, when he died on the cross, descended into hell. We talked about that. And he took from the devil the keys of death, hell, and the grave. He rose from the dead. And so we were never intended to die. It was sin that brought the separation. Adam and Eve brought that separation, died physically, died spiritually. But Jesus rose from the dead and has forgiven us of our sins, and we are forever united with him. So the time is coming. Jesus said that we don't know the times of the season. In Acts chapter 1, verse 11, men of Galilee, this is the angels speaking, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus, who was taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. He's coming back. <laughs> so never is it set up that he has left us or that he abandoned us. We are ever on his mind, and we are ever in his presence, washed, regenerated, filled with the Holy Spirit is abiding within us. We are set aside, set apart for his service. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We live our life in hope, the understanding that Jesus will come back again for us. Whether we're alive or dead, we're going to see Jesus. <laughs> and it's part of our faith. We believe that he has come to die and to live for us. So we believe in the resurrection of both the saved and the unsaved, those who are evil, those who have rejected Christ. John 5, 28 and 29. Do not be amazed at this, for the time is coming when all who are in the graves will, be, will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done what is good will rise to live. Those who have done what is evil will rise to be condemned see 
we have an accountability. We are accountable to God for our life. And it is not a punishment. It is a glorious thing to walk in the Spirit knowing that we will not fulfill the things that will destroy our life. What God has come to do is to protect us and provide for us. He protects us in our relationships. He protects us in our outlook. He protects us so that we do not destroy ourselves or others. So the whole intent of what God has done is to provide for us. That all things are possible to those who believe. So we find that it's not a matter of trying to get ahead. It's a matter of following the Spirit. And that God will lead us and guide us. And so whatever is the will and purpose of God, that we are there to fulfill it. No matter how small or how great it is, God is leading us into the, the, the kingdom for which he has called us. Revelation 20, 12 says, I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. And books were open. Another book was open, which is the book of life. The book of life is referred to also as the Lamb's book of life. And all who know Jesus Christ as their Savior, their names are written in this book. The dead who are raised at this time, the book of life is opened. Their names are not in it. <laughs> all the wicked dead are raised. Their soul and their body will be resurrected for an eternal body that spends eternity in hell and separation from God. Death and Hades gave up the dead <laughs> that were in them, and each person was judged according to what they had done. You know, sometimes people say, well, I hope that in my life I've done enough good to outweigh my bad. No, that's not how we get into heaven. We get into heaven by the gift of God, which is forgiveness by grace, and by mercy. But in the judgment of hell, there will be the Hitlers <laughs> that are in whatever the lowest judgment of hell is, and the, lo the lowest punishment of hell, be right next to Satan himself. And there will be those who just, for whatever reason, but they're still lost. There's not, it's not a vacation. It's not a time when they say, well, you know, bury me in an asbestos suit because I know where I'm going, and I'm going there with all my friends. <laughs> well, hell is not a place that you will share with friends because you'll be all alone. In the darkness of a pit or in the darkness of a cell in which you only hear what other people are going through, but you will never see or know anyone else but the torment of your own soul. Death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. People said, I'm not afraid to die. Well, it's not. You don't have to worry about dying. If you don't know Jesus, it's the second death, which is the separation from God. And anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. We often wonder why God would, you know, we question it. But you know, the holiness of God and the love of God is set before all men. And those who reject it refuse to come under his protection and his provision and his salvation, his forgiveness. 
Sin is rebelling against God. Sin is saying, I don't need God. I don't need restrictions or accountability. I want to do what I want to do, and I'm going to do it the way I want to. That's rebellion against God. And it is sin, breaking of the divine laws. In this life, here and now, we look at the rebellious individuals and we think, well, it appears as if they're getting away with it. No one gets away with anything. No deed, no good deed. You know, some people quote this one. It's not a quote, it's a false misconception. No good deed goes unpunished, you know. (laughs) Doing something good and somebody doesn't like it, no. No good deed goes unrewarded. If you give a cup of cold water in his name, there's a reward for you. What we do for Christ will last forever. How that God has worked in our life to touch the lives of other people for good will last forever. What will you do, what will we do with Jesus Christ? Will we allow him to forgive us, wash us from our sin, regenerate us, sanctify us, set us apart from the things that would destroy our life and destroy the lives of others? Or will we allow God to work in our heart to love God and to love others? Jesus, we see God's gentleness and love extended to men. His willingness to die on the cross for the sins, our sins, to save us from eternal destruction. We see the hand of God given to us salvation and forgiveness. We see God extending grace and mercy. Whenever, But we see people saying, no thanks, don't want that, don't need that. Well, God is saying, if we shun his forgiveness, then we will accept the wrath of being separated from God. So we believe the cleansing from the sin comes from by means of repentance and by the blood of Jesus Christ. We believe in the sanctifying power of the Holy Spirit that God sets us apart for his, his work of service. We find that that set apart is love, and joy, and peace, and patience. These are the good things of life. Peace, and patience, and kindness, and generosity, faithfulness to one another, tolerance, self-control. These are the things that build life. This is what God wants to draw us into, to lead us into. Anyone in their right mind, having a right spirit, will understand that. So what will we do with Jesus? We will allow him to work in our life because we believe in the resurrection of the dead. (laughs) We believe in the resurrection of those who are saved and we believe in the resurrection of those to damnation and separation from God who will stand at the great white throne judgment and hear the voice of God say, I don't know you. That's the second death separation but for those who are who know Jesus we have a life of peace and joy we have a life of knowing that God is with us now everything isn't perfect things go wrong people are martyred people are killed but God is with us and we have a life that is eternal with him nothing shall ever be able to separate us from the love of God so no matter what comes in this life we know that God is with us and we are with him and that 
one day the trump of God shall sound. You know, there's, there's so many things that are now in place that Jesus can come back at any moment. Some even, you know, have said there are so many things in place that maybe even this fall, and they're not making a, a, a date or anything, but they're just going through all these signs and all these things in the heavens and all the things in Israel and all the things that's going on, and they're saying everything is ready for the return of Christ. It could come at any time. So at any moment, we could hear the trump of God, and in that moment, in that twinkling of an eye, we're changed, and we're out of here. <laughs> And we're eternally with our Father in heaven. And it is that glorious hope that awaits us. So we live our life as a temple of the Holy Spirit. A temple, a presence of God. We have set ourselves aside to do what God wants us to do. And that means we live our life, do our everyday things with God's presence with us. We love we care, we forgive, we don't hate. We can get upset, but, you know, let it go. <laughs> you know, just allow God to work in our hearts and lives. Amen? Jesus, forgive us of our sins. Wash us, renew us, regenerate us, set us aside for your service. We are not better than that he that is greatest among you, let him be the servant of all. Jesus, you came. You are God. You are the Son of God. God, you created the heavens and the earth, and you washed your disciples' feet. You, you came to serve us. We are no greater than our master. We want to serve you by serving others. Let your spirit guide us. Let your Holy Spirit flow through us. Regenerate, renew, strengthen, and guide, we pray. For, Lord, one day we will hear that trumpet sound, and we will see you face to face. Amen? And for those of you who we can't show this, it's uh, a, a, another Sandy Patty. <laughs> Rhonda says, another Sandy Patty? <laughs> she goes, how many of those do you have? <laughs> well, Sandy Patty, by herself. And it is the, um, what is the name of it, Terry? We shall behold him. We shall behold him. So those of you who are watching by the internet, go on the internet and find Sandy Patty and we shall behold him. God bless you. But for us, we're going to hear it. And we're going to rock the roof. Now you know why I like her. <laughs> That's an older version. She can't, I don't really think she can hit those notes anymore. <laughs> but uh, we shall behold him. Truly, that is what it is. We're going to see him face to face. And, he, you know, his eyes, we're going to look at, he's going to look at us, and he's going to see us, and we're going to see him. And it's, it's like, whoa, <laughs> we're not here anymore. We've got an eternity to be with Jesus. And we begin now. <laughs> We begin now. Amen. Father, we thank you again. Jesus, we thank you again. We thank you for that understanding that we have, that you are coming back. We don't know the time nor the season, but Lord, help us to prepare ourselves for your coming. Help us to live expectantly, to do what is right in your sight, to live and allow the Spirit to be 
to flow through us with your love and joy and peace and patience. God, help us to accomplish these things. We can't do them on our own, but God, it is by your spirit. So, Lord, we thank you. Thank you for your spirit, for your love, your gracious gifts to us. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen.